US is absolutely overrated for e-commerce. Like just launch your business in any other market and you'll probably do better in the short term. Well, I'm pretty, pretty happy with Colin on this one. Um, he was able to grab a legend. The power from down under, David Fogarty, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm going very well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, it's actually, we um, one, the beauty of the internet, how we can connect. A bazo- this is, I'm pretty sure this is definitely the farthest. I think I had a um, someone in the Middle East, but this is way farther than the Middle East. So this is definitely the furthest we've done. You have a fantastic internet connection, which is great. But we have an inversion. I'm over here melting in Austin, and you're freezing in Australia. Yeah, it's it's crazy how that works. I'm actually flying over to to Oregon on on Monday, and it's a it's a very big trek. It's a big big trek, but very well worth it. Do you go east or west, or do you just keep going west around? Because Oregon no, is closer go, that way, right? We go west generally. Yeah, we fly into LA into LA. West. Yeah, and then it's like I think it's a 20, like my last flight to Oregon was 26 hours all up, but it was four connecting flights and it was, it was pretty full on, but oh, you know, man, I, that's I, brutal. I enjoyed, I enjoyed traveling. It's just, it's good to, you know, you get some reading done. It's, it's good fun. Do you have any tips? I got, re- I just went to Barcelona and I got wrecked by jet lag. It was weird though. Cause I had went to Dubai and Israel and those were more like 12 hours ahead didn't throw me off that much, but Barca was like seven hours ahead. The city goes late. It literally took me like five, six days just to get my feet under me there. I usually don't get paddled too much with that, but how are you doing it with your, I mean, those are massive shifts. Yeah. It's, it's obviously easier when you're up front a little bit and able to sleep. Um, but Barca's yeah, crazy, crazy difference. Cause they just, they, they kind of nap through the day, don't they? And it's just like the whole thing is just thrown out. But yeah, look, I just, uh, <laughs> I, just I, I, don't, I try not to drink on the plane. I, I feel like that helps a big, big time and just trying to eat healthy and, you know, try to time your uh, sleeping as well. Do you spring for the fancy seats? See, that's the one thing I did when I flew to Dubai. I got like the little fancy seat and had my like sleeve and it's amazing. I got the just the reggae seats going to Barcelona this time and it wrecked me. I think that's money well spent, right? Yeah, look, that that really does help because you actually get a good night's sleep. I, I um, I didn't realize that that most businesses, you know, when they get to a certain size, switches to a, a cashback card. <laughs> so I ended up racking up like ninety-five million Amex points that I've just got sitting there that I just don't know how to spend. So. I kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it, it should all be cashed. It was a pretty bad move on my part, but we were running, we were running pretty quickly uh, last couple of years, and I just kind of missed that step. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> What's the uh, biggest point purchase you've made? Oh, I literally don't even know. Uh, it's a, it just just flights, travel. Yeah, just travel. They, they, when you don't get the rewards flights, it does cost a fair bit to, to book a business class flights return especially from so far away you know that and you fly out of adelaide or you fly to because that's a pretty big one right it's adelaide sydney melbourne adelaide's yeah down south it's kind of like the little brother of everything there's not much going on and um compared to sydney and melbourne so generally international flights you'll have to fly into sydney or melbourne and then catch a catch a proper flight from there 
So how did you take on the internet in being such a, is there a big entrepreneurship community there? Or, I mean, I would think it'd come out of Sydney or Melbourne, right? Because that's a, those are proper business communities, yeah? Or Yeah, you, look, it's definitely, the culture in Melbourne is, is far more like, you know, the US entrepreneurial, uh, you know, those um, espressos and whatnot. Working that <laughs> uh, but the, but you know, Adelaide probably is underrated. Uh, it was only until, you know, I started businesses that I realized that there's actually some really successful e-commerce businesses, you know, what life right away, these guys like kind of gym brands and they're, they're doing an amazing job as well. So we've got a very small community that, that helps with obviously finding talent as well. Uh, in Melbourne, it's much, much more competitive for talent, but we have an office both in Adelaide and Melbourne to try to, you know, there's definitely a different kind of skill set, maybe a more technical skill set in, in Melbourne, not to say that we haven't found amazing technical people in Adelaide, but it is really interesting how those two different cultures kind of manifest different types of talent. That is interesting. Um, have you been in Australia your whole life or have you lived anywhere else? Cause you're fairly young, right? You're 25 tw- going on 26. 27. Yeah, no. 27. Oh um, man, I need to sm- What's going on? My assistant's giving me this 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 terrible terrible brief. What's going on here? I just I just lie on Wikipedia. Younger. Yeah, I'm I'm 27. I have I, I I lived in Melbourne for a year. Just that's where I learned e-commerce. I'm sure we'll get into that soon. Um, and then I you know miss my miss my um, family and friends and stuff too much. So I ended up coming back and probably will be an Adelaide boy for the rest of my life, to be honest. It's such a simple, simple place to live, cheap place to live. You can get anywhere in 20 minutes, good beaches. So what more could you want? There you go. Bish, bash, bosh. I love it. So yeah, talk to us a little bit about the entrepreneurship. I was doing some research on you. You're upwards of 10, 12 companies you founded so far. You, you had some weird little tie up in a Vietnamese bread roll shop. You had a seasoning business, an iPhone case brand. You did some personal training at one point. Like, how did you get in all this? Where did it start? Was it like a family thing? Was it just I watched the internet video and now I'm going to do this? Or like, give us some background. Yeah, you bring up some scars there, but let's, <laughs> let's get into it. The, the, um, yeah, so I guess going going back to school, I, I, I don't know where, you know, my ambition came from, I think it is a family thing. I think when, you know, grandpa started a, a small furniture business, a local furniture business. And I was always surrounded by that uh, entrepreneurial side. I, I, I think being exposed to that at a very young age is very helpful. You know, I wasn't, you know, we weren't, I didn't get given everything to me in a very early age, which made me very, very ambitious to, to get it for myself, which I think was really, really important. And then, yeah, during school, I, I kind of just, you know, there's an embarrassing video of me going on stage in um, in year 12 when I graduate saying that I wanted to be a billionaire when everyone else was like, they want to do like this, this in university and stuff like that. So I, I honestly couldn't even remember that. But I think it, it just reminds me that, you know, I have been like this for a very long time. Ended up trying university, mining engineering, um, also tried marketing as well, uh, failed both of those, which is ironic. <laughs> then uh, after that, um, all, all in that time, I was actually growth hacking Instagram. So we're just using like a shout for shout method, growing niche pages, um, and I was selling them off and selling promotion on that. 
I think that that's actually quite a common thing. I'm not sure if any of your other guests have actually yeah. been involved in the stages of Instagram, but it was, you know, addictive. It taught us a lot of skills. It taught us a lot about the algorithms underneath these platforms. Um, it's either that or gaming, right? Yep. And then, um, yeah, so basically after that, I went to, um, uh, yeah, I started, I, I was like, did what any entrepreneur did and should should do and used all my profits to launch a Vietnamese roll shop. And that <laughs> did, not, <laughs> did not go well. Uh, selling $5 rolls that cost four fifty to make, it was not a good business model. Um, what was it called? Ended up losing, it was called Street Rolls. That's not horrible. That's not terrible. Yeah, man. yeah it's, it's not horrible. But the the logo was like it was like I just used a logo generator. Yeah, it was so bad. Oh. I got some. But yeah, I was, I was there twelve hours a day, seven days a week, just cooking pork rolls and <laughs> um, lost my mind. A bit, which, but you know, all all in all, the same time I was doing Instagrams. Granted, you know, there's been. Um, been people out there that were growing the Instagrams at the same time as me that, you know, uh, their company's over $50 million value now. Uh, like, so it, realistically that was my probably opportunity to, to achieve something big, but I, um, yeah, I did the wrong thing. I wasn't measured about it. I wasn't structured about it. I, there was a lot of doubt at that stage where, you know, and this is a good lesson around surrounding yourself with people that understand or at least exposing yourself to people that understand, you know, like I was, my only exposure was, you know, my, my parents and a couple of, you know, older entrepreneurs that just didn't really understand the internet. And, um, you know, they're great, great at business in, 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 in their field, but they, they basically said, look, this is a fad. Like, how are you even going to tax it? Like, yeah. what is going on? And um, back then, there was a lot of uncertainty around it. So it's easy to look back at what's, what's happened. But yeah, so um, out of fear, I, I sold. And, you know, I've almost sold so many of my businesses out of fear just before they take off. And that one I actually did. So um, yeah, a couple of lessons there as well. Ended up, um, yeah, going to Melbourne for a year, running, you know, influences and running a consulting side of things for a couple of other brands and then ended up launching calming blankets woody pop naps and and a couple of other brands as well how did you find the time to do do you have like a little framework or something that you run in your head like a because when i start to think of business i'm like like the old people that you're talking about like oh davy this is gonna not work this is what's not gonna work about and so my head always goes to like how do you see where the market like where you see the product market fit or what product that you're thinking, what's the business model you want to use? What's your go to market? How are you going to distribute all this stuff? Like, is that in your head or is it just intuitive where like people just want a big fucking blanket to wear and I'm going to print money with it. Or like, <laughs> cause like, right. Like how do you come to these things? It's, it's incredible. Like, cause you have multiple, you have a bazillion. So is there like a method to the madness or are you just kind of happenstance? Look, I would love to say that was a method to the madness back in the day, but it wasn't, it was just like, it must somewhat intuition, but the good news is like, I, I, we, we got very lucky. Like I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that we didn't, um, you know, if I didn't apply a framework to, to that thinking, then a lot of it should be designated to luck. You know, I think, um, I think the beauty was, and, and I, I hit three winners in a row, you know, uh, coming blankets was doing over 20 million, um, Udi, you know, does over 150 million. Um, and then pop naps, you know, in its seventh month was doing a million dollars a month sales. So it grew very quickly. And that was the three, 
that was the three we I started with, and and in you know in hindsight this was wrong thinking, but I was just like, oh, this is easy, and it, the truth is it's not easy. <laughs> we all know that now. Like I I, I think um, there was lots of things that I underappreciated. Obviously, well, this was pre COVID, all of those launches, but um, the the industry was definitely easier and finding these products. But the beauty of uh, my my point was that by finding you know, three winners or, or four winners were able to, I was able to create a framework, which I now use. Uh, so there was that positive and then, um, you know, and, and then I hit a lot of losers, you know, I've, I've hit a lot of bad products after that. It was probably like three or four in a row. And now we're hitting winners again. I, I really just kind of took all those learnings and I actually just built it into a tool. Um, it's called trend rocker. It's like a, a piece of SAS. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's very similar to, um, it, it kind of combines the best features of a lot of the, the spy tools out there, but then it also integrates with like supply chain because one of my main lessons, which is part of the framework is really around um, fragmentation of marketing competitors. So I don't think people really appreciate the, the effect that one competitor, one digitally savvy competitor can have on your CPMs and your, your CAC when, when they enter your market on Facebook, like it's, if I, if I break down all three of my successful products at the start, there was literally no competitors running that product in, 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 in the regions that I was doing it. So it, it and that's very, very hard to find because you need to be very early. Right. There's a good Ted talk talks about the key fundamentals of what, what makes a good startup and, it, you know, is it funding? Is it people? Is it talent? No, it's, it's actually just timing most of the time. So I think that that applies very much so in um, the digital landscape as well. Um, so that that's really what I'm trying to incorporate. How do you understand trends at a global level, understand the digital landscape, incorporate supply chain so you can understand gross margin and ensure you have the, the room to market and grow. And then, you know, and then it becomes subjective. You know, what is the total addressable yeah. market? Is this a is it $100 million company or is this a $5 million niche company that's good for a a first timer, you know, that, that, that those are the kind of questions that will probably always be ambiguous until, until tested. I love that, man. That what's this called again? I'm gonna have to sign up. This is a trend rocket. It's, 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 it's still, it's still really new. We only went live last month. Um, but yeah, ch check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, where uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited because I, 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 th I really do think we can systemize the finding, you know, massive trends. Obviously, the, one of the key things, when, you know, when, when I'm talking about being unique and in, um, in a market is so so critical. It, it is really important to differentiate the product as well, because that's that's essentially what's what's going to create that that room to grow and that that that, that opportunity to get into different in front of different customers as well. So there'll there'll always be that need to to customize these things we're finding, but at least we're kind of arming arming people with data before they invest lots of money in the product yeah and in a weird way too it's like you're giving them a more clarity on how to place their bets which i think a lot of people like i'm dealing with some stuff right now where like unknown unknowns are such a thing it sounds cheesy and cliche but like not knowing what you don't know is so painful sometimes because i man there's some weird stuff that can crop out of nowhere you're like what that's even a thing and depending on your cash flow, depending on your cash position, uh, run rate, something like that, you know, you can 
the rug can get pulled out from under you pretty quickly. That's really cool, man. I love that. Um, by all accounts, you're super happy, super motivated. You're super jacked. How do you stay focused? How do you fit everything in? This is something I'm, I'm super struggling with where, um, early stage startup is not a great life for, uh, (laughs) a relationship or your health or anything like that. It's kind of like this, this crying toddler that is constantly vying for your attention, your money, your time, like everything. So how, how do you balance it so well? Yeah. I think there's a there's a few things to break break down there, I guess. You know, the health side of things, it's it's obviously about uh, you know, I think it all comes down to your why and, and what you're trying to achieve. I think the as soon as you can do that and if it is, you know, take you know, triple well or something to to a hundred million, uh two hundred million, a billion, I don't know you realize that, you know, the fitness piece fits in very well with that because you're not going to be able to do it unless you, you know, raise a, raise a fit and, and you could have schedule that in um, and just get, get a bit of a routine around it. Um, the relationship side of things, you know, it's, it's about if, if that is your primary objective, you know, I don't want to sound cold hearted or anything like that, but you probably don't have time for relationships that don't, don't support that. Um, granted, you know, you, you, it, 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 the the truth is you, you family and and that kind of balance f- falls into family and friends does fall into the fitness side of things which is you know you need that you need that uh support to remain happy and not lose your mind like in when i was doing street rolls two years of just 12 hour <laughs> days you know i cut I, I didn't i barely talked to anyone i was just there and grinding it out and got severely anxious yep. and depressed and stuff like that so you know, this is this is about making time for that balance as well. And I think this is all about knowing yourself, which is a very, very hard thing to do. I think you you know your your thresholds and, and what you require from um from these various buckets of your life. And it's it you don't need to over overdo it. Um and you can try you try to just try to be very, very mindful about it. My mine would look very different to other people. Um, I, you know, yeah, I definitely see friends on the weekend and, and I train, you know, twice a day, um, to, tr- to try to keep that balance, um, wake up super early and, um, find, find your kind of rhythm there. I do time blocking yeah. as well. I think that that's really, really important. Um, time blocking for tasks. If you are struggling, you know, I, I think one of the best hires you can ever make is an executive yep. assistant. Like it's just it's so important. Um, they really do support you. Um, yeah, there's a couple of, couple of tips, but when you love what you do, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you, you go through waves, right? Like, and I, I don't think I've always been like, I, I don't think I've always been the best at this. It, it's, it's what I just recently did a episode with Toby Pierce and Simon Beard that I'm not sure if you know them, Toby Pierce just exited sweat for over, you know, 400 million. They sold the business for, uh, Simon Beard owns culture yep. Kings. They exited for. 300 million Australian businesses and they, you know, they, they told me their routines and their discipline around learning and getting up and like for three weeks after I was just on fire, you know? So it is really about getting that exposure to those other people so that you can learn from them and, and be inspired by them and, and, you know, try to embody them in the, the, the areas that you want to embody them. It's not, not everything. You don't need to look up to them for everything. Take different role models in different situations, take different traits. But um, 
yeah, surround yourself with those good people. That's all. Uh, that's amazing. Big fans of uh, Culture Kings and Sweat, but uh, Culture Kings in specific. Big, big sneakerhead over here. That's really amazing. So you work out in the morning and the end. That's how you kind of bookmark your day, or how do you fit everything in? Yeah, yeah. Generally, so I get up at four. I generally take. Um, it's a bit hard when it's yeah black at the moment in Australia. But take, take the dog for for a pretty long walk, and then at night do do you know. Uh, generally just a weight sesh as well um but like if i if i miss that for the three days in a row because i'm working like which i like which i do like it is what it is right like you're not going to grow by skipping those three days but chances are if you hit it on the fourth day you're not gonna you're not gonna lose anything and um you know you can get back into it so i think a lot of this stuff is about being gentle on yourself like people listening to this or seeing like what I've done or seeing what any of your guests have done because they're all so accomplished, they go like, and I, I've fallen into this trap, they look at themselves and they go, yep. why can't I do this? Why aren't I training twice a day? It's just like, go gentle on yourself. Like you're either not there or you don't need it. Like you're not there yet. You might get there and you can work towards it. You can look at your sleep, look at look at your diet, look at, look at your habits and traits and whatnot and, and try to fix it if you think about it. But in the meantime, just don't beat yourself up. You'll you'll get there. Focus on the main things that matter as well. That's brilliant. That's really good advice because I've found that in a little bit in myself and also kind of just high high operators or people are just trying to always do their best and you can get caught in this kind of downward cycle of like you beat up on yourself too much where it's like shit happens, it is what it is, move on one foot in front of the other and then just kind of keep going because – the, the number one thing that I meet throughout all successful people is perseverance, where it's like people have this almost like unfathomable faith that I'm going to get there. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I'm just going to keep marching. And that can help you through some of those tougher times because there, there is there's always something usually, man. The universe does not give up easy, but once you can find, I think, your why, like you said, you can bear kind of almost any how type of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a narrative fallacy around you know these podcasts and stuff because you're only getting such a small snippet. Like you, you don't you don't hear like the full. You, people fall down, and and it's only until you can really build rapport. Like like this is the first time we've spoke, but you know I talk to mentors that are absolutely mind blowing, and in all accounts you'd think these people never sleep. But the truth is, you know, when you when you actually get rapport, you're like, what's your darkest moments? And they don't get out of bed yeah. for three weeks because they've made so many mistakes. It's like you, even Jeff Bezos in the early years would just make so many stupid mistakes. So beware of the narrative fallacy. It's it's just um, it's just part of part of growing up and, and learning. Yeah, I think that's beautiful, man. I think there's just um, amazing. Uh, okay, one last question, and we'll get to the value add segment. What's the nicest thing someone's done for you? Hmm. Well, I, I got two. I think um, you know, my parents were were super supportive uh, when I was dropping out of university. They 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 didn't quite get it, but I, I just did it anyway and supported it. And um, you know, I've been I mentioned dark times at street rolls and. They, they lifted me through that. Same with my partner as well. She really, really looked after me in those times. So, you know, these are the people that they don't care if you're successful, right? It's just they, they are here to be be with you and support you and, and, and just enjoy life with you. Sorry, not, not, not necessarily support, but 
take the bad moments and and enjoy them as well because you know they will come up so both of those people i guess that's beautiful man that's beautiful Davey, I'm all pumped up now. I need to go read some business memoirs while I'm doing my CrossFit workout. I'm ready, baby. I'm fucking ready. Let's do this. All right. This is why the people bought the ticket, the value add segment. Um, let's talk a little bit about Udi. That's probably your your biggest company to date. Why did you start it? Why is it called that? What are the best parts? What are the hardest parts of running it? Yeah. So uh, it's just hoodie without the H. That's why it's called it. It's, it's nothing genius. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, I created that just randomly. I was just, uh, like late at night, um, when I was pretty young, obviously, um, the, 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 I, the, the hardest part about running your business is always going to depend on what stage of business you're at. Like initial zero to 1 million, you're just trying to get your first customer, your first profitable customer, 1 million to probably 5 million. You're trying to, um, you know, repeat and create a sustainable flywheel around that existing customer acquisition channel. So one channel, one yeah. product, and then, you know, getting up to the 10 million mark, you're looking at more, uh, you know, how, how can you remove yourself from the day to day in certain areas and we'll get, get more, more efficiency through hiring people. So you're basically building a, a flywheel there and then things get relative, relatively, unique you're obviously juggling cash flow probably up to 10 million as well that's kind of your main challenge and opportunity by the way i didn't create this stuff this is just adapted from the book ready ready fire aim um which is a, a great book and then um where where there's a huge death trap for e-commerce is around that 10 million mark which can be achieved um relatively quickly nowadays I, i'm not saying that to to be demeaning to, to people that haven't achieved that. But if you do hit the right product at the right time, it's that Facebook will probably get you there to be completely honest with a complimentary channel like Google and email. And, um, but the, the, the tricky part is, is when all the Amazon sellers start coming in, all of the eBay mm. sellers and, you know, there, there's a ton of, you know, who asked for it, brands that start coming in and eating into your market. <laughs> so, yeah. So the, I've never heard that. The, I think I heard that at Geek Out, so uh, That's I'm, good. I'm not claiming that one either. Um, I think Eli said that, uh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, the, I think, yeah, at that point, you know, you're going to have to rely on your product differentiation and I think, and your skills in, in content and just building a brand, because brand is non-linear. It's going to allow you to, really surpass that. And, and that's, that's where, where Udi, we, we succeeded. Granted, we've got one of the ugliest looking websites out there, uh, but it just converts like crazy. So my, the, the beauty, which was somewhat an, unintentional was the product was so good that it created the brand and the, the yeah. pattern was so unique that it, it protected the brands because people couldn't copy our patterns. They could obviously put a pizza thing, but they couldn't put our pizza on the, on the product. So it then created virality because it was just so strong. So people were like, this is so good. People were sharing Snapchats of themselves at home, like all of that kind of stuff, which really fueled out. We had a, somewhat of a viral growth engine um, through that. And then, you know, when we were doing over a hundred million, things got, got very, very complicated and it became very structural. You know, the, the main challenge at that stage for me 
not for all founders, but I have heard Ben Francis talk about this um, when with his business was, you know, I made the same mistake, just not thinking about fi finance and operations as like a key function of the business and somewhat just focusing on product and, and marketing, which, you know, as soon as we lost, so we, we I, I think we did like 20 million or something like that in November last last year across all of our geos, but we actually forecasted that we would have done 45 million and we just had no stock. So we were completely sold out for our last two Black Fridays in um, in those Northern Hemisphere regions. And that is all because we just kind of ignored operations and didn't have the right ops team. So ended up finding, um, finding a really good retail-based COO. Um, so when I say retail, she was, you know, managing stores here and uh, big, big kind of chains as well, like in conglomerates of brands. So they have all of the merchandise experience. They can, um, you know, manage spreadsheets like crazy. They just have a really good eye for forecasting, which is really important. Can somewhat predict the future in that regard. And, and, yeah. and people that come from these kind of legacy businesses, they, they're just, they're just beasts, right? Like they, yeah. to, to last that long in that kind of, environment they really bring a level of maturity to our you know young e-commerce teams so i think that that's something that i was missing i was still hiring really young young people um in that situation which there's nothing wrong with that it's part of our culture and, and we all work really really hard but these that the, she really did turn the business around um and you know replace the entire ops team and and then we ended up uh doing the same with the finance team and now it's uh it's humming along really, really nicely. So now our channel is now our now our main challenge has has changed to um, there's something called the Ansoff Matrix. If 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 you viewers want to look it up, and it, it talks about how to achieve um, how to achieve diversification. So um, you've got product diversification or market diversification as well. And I like to think of market diversification as channel diversification as well. So really trying to mitigate the the effects of these big changes by diversifying our acquisition um, methods. And I don't think that that's entirely achievable with our core product range at this stage. So really looking at look, looking at our core product range and we're also looking at more a more sustainable um, business model, uh, like evergreen uh, cyclical products like pajamas and stuff like that, that are always, you know, be in trend, but it's just about the pattern and the, and the block. And trying to understand if if that is that can be you know a two hundred million dollar business in itself. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. There's there's some uh, there's a big PJ brand in in Australia that that really does um, capture that that comfort wear segment very very well. There's mm -hmm. not a global comfort wear brand to be completely honest. I, I I don't. There's a couple of lounge brands that focus there, but comfort wear I, I can see as a different different segment. Um, really bringing moments of happiness and joy uh, through comfort, being um, being feeling safe and those kind of those feelings. I think that we can kind of encompass that through the UD, um and our product development. So I'm not sure if that was a big ramble of, of nothing, but uh, no, that was super fascinating. What was the matrix called again? It's called the Ansoff matrix. Um, it's Ansoff. Ansoff, yeah. Amazing. I've never heard that. I'm learning. I'm learning so much. I need a note taker on this. I have to go back and rewatch it. That's fantastic. That is fascinating to see, though, because um, 
we felt that firsthand as well. And it's a little different. We're B2B SaaS, you're D2C, but there's this unique feeling of almost like basically those benchmarks that you're talking about or milestones, if you will, where there's different people needed. Because almost at the beginning, almost everybody's a generalist where you need to be be able to wear 78 different hats. And then as you scale up, you get into these kind of more specialized roles. Um, but then there's also a certain aspect to your point of like, it's not all about just bringing in money or acquisition. It's about profitable acquisition and then matching that demand with your supply and then understanding, can you get more favorable terms? There's all this kind of like boring stuff, quote unquote, like that operators and you don't run into them until you hit those kind of economics of scale where if you're only, you know, a $2 million a year run rate business, you're not going to go push, you know, manufacturers around. But if you're, $250 million a year business, you can start to really make moves. You get into some, some cash conversion stuff that, um, is again, kind of boring if you're into like you, like the product, the, the feeling, the marketing and stuff like that, but absolutely requisite to hit those different step changes. Cause you, you just keep hitting up against a wall. I feel like, uh, and I, for some reason I used to work within that 10 to $50 million a year run rate businesses. And that $10 million does feel like that weird inflection point of like, you either have to grow up or be happy with the business at that, that rate. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's generally that, that ceiling that that ch- main channel because like Facebook, the reason why we all spend there the most is because that's the most efficient channel. We're not we're not married to Facebook. We don't really care to be completely honest. It's yep. where, where we're going to get the best return for our buck. So um, yeah, that's that's generally that ceiling. I think in the in terms of your previous statement, I think it's all about the questions you're asking yourself. And uh, again, it comes down to the people you're surrounding yourself mm. with. And and you know, there's, there's I think Naval created this it's your information diet if you're in 40 uh, you know ad buyer facebook groups and you're just looking at you know like just twitter and you just follow marketers you're just gonna obsess over the marketing questions and optimize things to t there but if you go if you go into linkedin and follow a bunch of supply chain experts and like finance experts and just digest everything that they're posting you're gonna start asking different questions so Beware of your information diet. You know, I think I, I can see a couple of inflection points around like the knowledge that I had and, and both of them sit around, you know, something like Geek Out or uh, I haven't been to Affiliate World, but I hear it's pretty good as well. And like, it, may, it might come from, it might come from the speakers, but it might just come from a, a little tip that you learn from yep. everyone else. I think, you know, if you learn one thing at one of those trips, you know, it's, it's worth doing. So uh, in, a, in the early stages, I would go to literally every single one and just try to talk to everyone. Yeah, I found that is actually the the biggest changes for me as well was uh, being able to rub up against people with different perspectives that have done it. Um, and then you have this this actionable insight that then you can not only um, if you can't integrate it, reference it to lead you down a path of to your point. I love how you put that where um you start asking better questions, more precise questions, more impactful questions that can then, you know, start to have five, six, 10 points of lift on the business versus this 0.2% because you change the button color from this green to that green, where it's like, not that there's not a place for that, but, um, at the end of the day, especially as the CEO or the founder, 
um, even as CMO, I see myself as a capital allocator, right? To your point, like we buy ads on certain channels because they're effective. If I could buy billboard ads and get, you know, X amount of signups for Y amount of CAC, I'd buy billboard ads. I have no, no uh, dogma in terms of how my spend is deployed, but I love that, Davey. That's really, really awesome. Um, if you're a start to start a company tomorrow, what would be the first social network you would start building? Cause you're, you're pretty prolific across all of them almost. I mean, your Instagram is a little not in the league as your YouTube and TikTok, but your YouTube and TikToks are, it's proper, proper scale there. So, so, so what's the question? Start a- what would you, if you started a company tomorrow, say uh Udi 2.0 or whatever it is, uh, product agnostic, um, what social network would you start building it? Yeah. It's a good question. Like, like I think we answered it before. Where the best return on investment for? Yep. And uh, you, you've got to test that. Like, it might be, it might be TikTok organic at the moment. I, I didn't think that that's sustainable. That'll go away. Like, it always has its that's history. Fair. But uh, you know, if where if it's better to pay creators or spend your whole day filming content, uh, then then do that. I, I think the by learning paid though especially as a beginner, you're going to have a skill set that's going to make you look at the life differently. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, it, it, there's, there's businesses out there that hire investment bankers to come and run their media buy. Like, cause just cause it is capital deployment. It is business 101. And as a founder, as a CMO, as any, anyone, you're going to need to learn that. So yeah. I really do like that, but at the same time, the creative creativity angle really is a different side of your brain and and yep. really it will will hold you in good stead so so maybe you do both and, and they both obviously lend itself so tiktok and, and facebook at this stage in terms of my instagram yeah i don't i don't really post there that much because i've got a lot of friends on there and it's kind of just like they don't they don't want to see that that shit so. <laughs> <laughs> no way like just post your old stuff no they don't they don't actually say that but um yeah, it's, I, I just post a bit less frequently then. Um, YouTube YouTube obviously goes well. We put a fair bit of effort into that to try to help young entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's a great channel. If you guys aren't subscribed, smash that subscribe button. Um, what gives you more gray hair? I mean, obviously, you don't have any gray hair. You have a lovely head of hair. Uh, go check out his Instagram. Uh, Pup Naps or Udi? Uh, Udi, the, the bigger, more money, more problems. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, let me see what else. So in the next two to three years, how do you see like e-commerce D2C unfolding? It's a good question. Like I hope, I hope Shopify doesn't start bullying people. Like I'm the biggest advocate of, of Shopify. Um, I, I think they're incredible. I would hate to see them just start price gouging and, and start doing that stuff. We've seen that happen with Apple when they just have platform dominance. I think, I think the, if they can execute on what they're trying to do with the fulfillment centers, uh, and, and getting that delivery time down to rival Amazon, it's going to be very, very good. I think us is absolutely overrated for e-commerce like just launch your business in any other market and you'll probably do better in the short term um for the first time founders granted if you're raising if you've got a completely you know revolutionary idea us is probably gonna gonna work 
work better, but most ideas, in fact, all ideas are just iterations on previous ideas. So, um, yeah, make sure you're unique. So I think all of these other countries, Australia, UK, Canada, maybe the UAE, like uh, Brazil might be kind of further away, but, you know, I, I think that there's going to be some great, great opportunities there. I think Europe, there's a lot of countries in Europe that you can kind of, uh, take advantage, arbitrage the traffic. Yep. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunities within e-commerce. However, I do believe the business model is inherently flawed. Mm. And I think we need to stop thinking of it as e-commerce and direct to consumer. Like there's one brand that I've talked to this year, actually there's a couple, but, uh, just trying to be dramatic. Um, the, there's, <laughs> there's like one person that I've talked to that, they're doing solid, solid numbers and they're going to grow. Um, and, you know, they're not a new business and they're going to grow versus their COVID years, which is, which is you know, everyone's up against tough times at the moment. Um, to get any growth is good growth in any any yeah. regards this year, to be completely honest. Yep. But, you know, he's going to grow. And, and the reason why is he is, is, is in every single major US retailer and he's running a ton of TV ads for his very unique product that he's got a billion patents on so it's 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 really a different kind of game that he's playing than a lot of other people are playing that are selling commoditized products um you know formulations of of similar products like you know skincare that's that stuff's going to be going to be tough um all of those kind of business models that have existed unless you, you can't just rely on direct consumer you know i think you really need to build um build build distribution elsewhere whether that is through channels like amazon e-retailers but also wholesale as well i think it's important um so yeah i think that that that'll adapt as well i, I think channels it's going to keep getting worse as well like way 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 worse i think privacy it's only just begun so um yeah yeah, that's that's a really interesting thesis. I, I'm I'm on board with that mostly. I think that the privacy wars, um, Apple will start just keep. Pl- I mean, it's just so economically tangible for them that they will do it. Google will then follow suit. Um, it's interesting your thought on the D 2 C business. You, I think you might be right there because when I think about it, almost all the big D 2 C exits that I can recall. Um, were primarily predicated on growth, not actual, um, like big, big multiples on the top line kind of thing, not actual profitability or anything like that, where I can't think of like a really big, big D to C exit. And maybe that's why, because you, you have this inherent ceilings to this one channel where you need to get into wholesale, you need to get into retailers, you need to start opening up this distribution to make kind of this full fledged peacock of profit versus, you know, this this fire hose at DDC because to your point, if the business model's not there where it's not some sort of recurring, you're gonna get crushed because you're just gonna have to keep acquiring new people and then eventually, unless you have this crazy unique product, you're gonna hit a point of diminishing returns and then it just gets challenging to really start to scale the volume at a at a profitable efficiency, right? Hundred percent. I think that like the the dream of the exit is the Jim Shark exit. <gasps> with General Atlantic, um, they, they, they sold a decent stake, but you know, they, when, what, what is the, what is the comp? It's like, oh, is, is Nike the comp or is, is there a different, is there a different comparative 
comparison to create that valuation yep. um, that is entirely D2C. Um, if, if they can, you know, if they can overtake Lululemon and, and stuff, I, I don't actually know if they already have or not, to be completely honest. I don't follow it closely. But the other one is Native Deodorant. I was listening yeah. to um, a, a, Moist. a podcast with a founder the other day. Yeah, he's, he's, he's incredible. And um, their, their product itself, like, it was just interesting hearing him talking about like, as soon as they exited, that's the first time they did PR. And then there was a hundred, you know, Procter & Gamble, like every single Procter & Gamble brand was probably releasing one straight after that. So you look at that as like, oh, the only reason it's like it, the only reason there wasn't a million competitors is because he wasn't talking about it so much um, and his, and his figures, which is a good lesson in itself. So yeah, inherently flawed, unless there's a, a lot of protection, I think it all comes down to that first stage, that product development stage. You know, if you're just looking to create a $10 million business, the truth is you can, you can be less strict about that. But um, yeah, if you want, if you want, you know, a billion dollar business or something like that, you're going to have to do something pretty special and not just be a D2C brand. How fascinating. Yeah. Moise is great. He was, he's actually been on the pod as well. And he, he has some hilarious stories. Uh, really interesting. And though it kind of goes back to your thesis as well, though, at the beginning, right? Like either have this super innovative product that nobody else is consuming where you're essentially creating a market for it or market maker, if you will, um, and then get the hell out of there with an early exit or start to build moats around it with some sort of patent or community or something that's really hard to replicate um, quickly. Like you just can't buy a community, right? Like you, there's these things that are hard to replicate um, no matter what the resources you have. And I think those are going to be really important as well to insulate your brand from the um, who asked for it kind of brands. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think, I, think, like, I think the better business is, is where there's zero cost of reproduction. Yep. Of the product so far less you know the, your gross margin is going to be way sass. yeah it's <laughs> literally that's why i'm getting into it because it's it's such a great business um i i, I it's such a fun business yeah. as well like it's so cool yeah. um it's just the power of god beneath your fingertips so it's making things do lots of things it's just really cool yeah. um the yeah. but yeah i i think i wouldn't sleep on that um for, for other brands as well. I think that there's other angles as well, like creating, I, I saw Ridge, you know, bought, bought a media company and I've heard, I've talked to a couple of other founders that bought, you know, Facebook pages and groups that were doing like, you know, for $4,000 profit when they bought it. And then there's Facebook switch monetization. Now they do like 400,000 profit a month. It's just madness. So there's other angles. I don't know how effective those, those, uh, other pages are at cross-selling products. Um, uh, you know, I think that, that there needs to be a severe amount of relevance and alignment with the existing audience, but there's cool stuff. There's plenty of cool stuff to do out there. I think that, you know, we need to you know, expand our minds as well about how we utilize our capital because it might not just be about launching dropshipping products, you know? I'm totally with you on that. That's where like, obviously you don't want to see people lose their job or go out of business or et cetera, but that's kind of just, one of the challenges of capitalism is that there's winners and there's losers. And um, I, I for one, am totally fine with dropshippers kind of going away where they never see a product. And I, nothing wrong with arbitraging or anything like that. But at the same time, I like to see the the real products win where there's, there's somebody that they care about it and they're behind it and there's an actual job to be done, value to be added um, versus just, you know, uh, 
basically arbitraging underpriced ad inventory for a really crappy product that people are never going to buy again. hundred percent, hundred percent build something of value. Yes, exactly. Um, Davey, you made it to the rapid fire. Are you ready? I'm pumped. Let's do it. Ah, all right. Uh, TikTok, overrated or underrated? Underrated. Ooh, I love it. YouTube, overrated, underrated? Underrated. Oh, wow. Two underrateds. Australia, Australia, overrated, underrated? Um, so biased. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think it depends what you want, you know. I, 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 I love it. I'll I'll never go anywhere else, but for for holidays, I don't know. You, you got you tell me. Where would you go if so? If I were to visit, what would be the Australian tour? How would you do it? Brisbane, just head to That's Brisbane. It. Go to the reef. No, nah, you, you you could pop down to Sydney. You'd be yeah. one or Sydney yeah. or Melbourne, but definitely go to Brisbane. Um, if you wanted to fly all the way over to Perth, they got some of the best beaches in the world. So you can go to whale shark diving and stuff, but. The reefs up around Brisbane, it would be hot and perfect for you all year round, you know? Amazing. Amazing. Um, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, Shopify, overrated, underrated? Oh, it's so conflicted. It's it's so underrated. It is best. Uh, it's, you know, um, there's so many things that they could do to make it better for us. And I think that they're trying, that, you know, their, their product iteration kind of looks like triple well you guys roll out <laughs> 74 products a week and they do as well which is which is sweet so i i i'd like to say underrated at this stage but there's so many other cool things that they could do to to, to allow us to win let me ask you a quick follow-up question what do you think their biggest opportunity is like if you were toby what would you be driving in towards and then what do you think their biggest vulnerability is i think like well previously it was like I was talking to Shopify team uh, in Australia, I think it was like a year ago. I was like, there's not even split testing within like ClickFunnels has got split testing. You guys don't. Uh, and that was really true because, you know, you need to hook up Google Optimize. You might need to get a developer. It's just like this, this stuff couldn't just increase your revenue by like 20% just by rearranging some things. It's just like nobody has conviction or the ability to do it. Think about the uplift there, but it has to be those apps and, and the fact that, like if, if they can like apps are great they obviously have so much incremental uh incremental gain for our stores as well but if they can make them faster better cheaper for for us and, and more effective to bump our revenue and increase their shopify payments like i think that that would be really really good but yeah check out split testing those kind of things uh support with speed up the, the 2.0 themes are fantastic so by basically a lot of this has been solved and then they're, they're moving fast uh in that in that positive positive direction the lookalike audience was my second thing that i was just like when i when i read it i think it was Moyes again talked about it i was like this is this is where it's at like yeah. this would be fantastic and then the final thing is rivaling amazon yeah. it's just like i don't want someone i want someone to see the shopify footer or, or layout or the, the debut thing or the shopify checkout and go shit like i can trust this shipping method to be really really quick so um yeah well i i think that that that'll really really help things along so uh, it's all about customer experience at the end of the day and aligning their, their brand with with that uh, positive customer experience that amazon's so renowned for that's incredible the uh, split testing is really interesting um what do you think their biggest vulnerability is what would keep you up at night if you're running the big canadian beast I think um, 
I think the, the, the vulnerability is in there, like, is in, they, they do have a moat that the switching cost is incredibly high. And, and there would be no reason to switch right now, but simple migrations, you know, their URL structures are completely different to someone like Big Commerce and these other guys. So they have a very, it's very, very tough to switch away from them. Um, but, you know, if they, if they did things that I mentioned before, you know, if their Shopify payments methods started to go up, um, it, it could end up becoming coming worthwhile to, to switch. But that being said, I, I really don't have, have many complaints about Shopify. As I said, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a love, 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 love relationship at this stage. So um, I think they're doing a great job. Yeah, no, I, I echo that completely. The split testing is really interesting. I think the other point too, and they're trying, I mean, that was their biggest acquisition, obviously. It was, I think, only a couple months ago with Deliver. But um, I think the making the supply chain and kind of distribution easier on people um, or merchants in specific, and then to your point of trying to reach some sort of at least mental parity of like, okay, I get an Amazon package in one or two days and a Shopify in three or four, or just something where you start to build this uh, customer expectation. Um, But I got to tell you, I love ShopPay. I think ShopPay is the best experience. ShopPay and then Apple Pay on the phone. I think those are just the two just stellar experiences on the interwebs right now. Like great way to check out. Isn't isn't ShopPay 5% transaction fee? Like that's- that's I get you. I get you. (laughs) <laughs> like, well, like that, that's that's crazy stuff i granted if it increases conversion rate but is that is that like Worth. warranted uh, around and around the transaction costs like i, I don't know i'm, I'm not a, that technical it's a fair point um, but the, the other opportunity that they do have is is clavio like yep. going after clavio you know they're raising prices as well uh, by the way i'm not i'm not stingy or anything like i'm just trying to i'm i'm when i when i talk about this stuff I really do think about the the effect that it has on the ability for businesses that are struggling with cash flow, like me in the early days, and my ability to to grow and get return on investment on these tech, these challenges, um, on these channels. Sorry. So yeah, that that's that's generally why you hear a little bit of like frustration if they kept raising prices and uh, or a little bit of fear probably uh, i don't think they've gone too far at this point to be very clear but yeah if, if they could um really keep the the, the shopify email uh, ticking along and, and invest in that product that would be really cool i'd be very down for that yeah i think that's a really huge opportunity for them um because they're almost everybody's biggest line items in their tech stack is Shopify plus and Clavio, right? And so if you can roll that in, or to your point, sometimes Clavio can be, be a cannon to kill a mosquito for some of these people just starting out. And so having to eat that nut right up front versus just fold it into the Shopify payments totally. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, Croatia, overrated, underrated? I've only been there once and it was a big party trip. So I saw it on your Instagram. It looked gorgeous. So I had to ask about it. I've been wanting to go. Yeah, I can say underrated. It was awesome. It was such a good time. Amazing. Um, if you could hire anyone you had a blank check to do an Udi collab with, who would it be? Oh, I was, I was trying to get Rebel Wilson. Oh, do you know Rebel Wilson? No. Yeah. Why do I know yeah, that? She, she, 
she's Aussie. She's she's hilarious. She's such a funny. Oh, I do know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that'd be great. She's so good. But like, it, it is really around the brand direction. Like, she encompasses our brand. Like, lighthearted, fun, like warm, and and whatnot. I, I think um, that you know, I think there's a there's a comparison to be made with Crocs as a business model to Woody. Like, they they're beast. Great that business. Great, but you know they did Balenciaga collabs and stuff like that, and and really tried to you know get their product worn out Dallas, which I think is pretty sick as well. So uh, we've got some big we've got some big things lined up in in that area in collabs, but um, the Gu- yeah. the Gucci Udi collab, I'm totally in. I've been trying to get the North Face. They did uh, Gucci to collab with North Face as well as Adidas, and they're just it's amazing. That would be hilarious. You're right, I like that a lot. Um, I know you're pretty healthy, but favorite meal and why? What do you? What's your favorite meal? So I actually just eat Uber Eats every single day, <laughs> just to save time. Like three, four meals a day, just Uber Eats. So like, uh, whether that's healthy or not, like I, I understand the macros that I need. Um, uh, granted, I, I do miss home cooked meals, but uh, it's just a time saving thing. So I don't fussy, just. Uh, Pizza's, pizza's good. Subway's good. It's all good. Amazing. Simple man, simple pleasures. I love it. Um, I know you have uh, one, one dog, two dogs, one dog. One dog. He's actually downstairs because I, I know that he was just going to be jumping. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to... Is his name Sherlock Bones or is that just a hashtag? Sherlock. That's the most... <laughs> That's amazing. So... He's not smart though. He's not smart. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Well, because he's a golden, right? Retriever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're supposed to be really smart. Is that your favorite type of dog or what's your favorite type of dog? Honestly, I I, I didn't really – I wasn't obsessed with that breed before before I got him. I I got him and now there's – I can't imagine myself getting another another dog. Maybe a Bernie's man. Oh, those are cool. But if you want more happiness in your life, get a golden retriever. You'll be sweet. I love it. Um, What's your favorite YouTube channel? Alex Hamozzi, by by what far. a G, right? That guy is, that guy is a beast. Yeah. Like that, that way that he synthesizes and can communicate complex subjects. Like I've, I've, you know, I've tried, and honestly, doing that kind of stuff is incredible, yeah. and it shows deep understanding, deep, deep understanding, and and learnt lessons that he's applied that understanding to, and. Yeah, if if you guys haven't checked him out, like he'll he'll change change your perspective on a lot of things. So every lunch break, you know, I, I don't watch TV before seven thirty at night, just like because I've just it's made me do so many other things. But I'll just watch watch his YouTube and just learn uh, like every lunch and after work and stuff like that. It's crazy. He's fantastic. He's also intoxicating. Like he's just a super fun guy, right? Like you'd love to have right. a yeah charismatic and just like yeah, what a great his his wife's starting to pop off a little bit as well. Um, uh, but yeah, Alex is a G man. Very, very great stuff. I love the, he paid all that money to the, uh, what's his name? Uh, the real estate guy, Grant Cardone. And he just slaps the video on YouTube. What a gangster. I love Alex. Um, favorite place to travel to and why? Oh, I'm going to go somewhere. Oh, nah, Switzerland's pretty mm, cool. Burn or? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember where I went. Um, to be honest, but yeah, no, I think it was, was there. It, it's just like, 
I like I like trips where you can find a lot of peace, yeah. and I, I think Serenity really allows that peace. Um, I, I you know I love I love going to like Bali and stuff like that, and Croatia. There's a lot of hustle going yeah. on there, and it is harder to find the you know, New York's a great example. So um, getting in touch with nature is a little great, um, and I love Oregon as well. We've got a business in Oregon, yeah. and I can't wait to go back. So Pacific Northwest is gorgeous, especially if you if you don't mind the cold. It's gorgeous. It's it's one of the more beautiful. All right, last question, and you'll make it through the rapid fire. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, there's a four-person table. You're sitting at the head of it. Who's getting the three invites? Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Warren Buffett. Wow, what an enterprising table. That was a quick answer too, Davey. You're on it. Amazing. They are. They're based. Well, maybe Michael Jordan, just because he's a boss. I don't know. I don't know. Give me four. Give you an extra. We can we can put an extra seat for MJ, of course. Davey, you made it. The podcast done and dusted, baby. Incredible. You got to show off your uh, incredible knowledge. Your awesome Iron Man helmet. What is that? Koala? A parrot? Is that an avocado as well? I mean, you you got it all back there. We've got it all, mate. That was awesome. Thank you so much for having me, mate. Um, it's it's a huge honor. I'm a big fan of Triple Wow. You guys are crushing it. You're gonna you're gonna make a lot of lives easier e-commerce lives easier so i appreciate you oh, amazing amazing davy tell people how they can follow you where do they subscribe how can they get an udi this time is yours my friend yeah youtube or twitter davy fogarty d-a-v-i-e fogarty um, yeah let me know if you need any help happy to happy to reply amazing grab an udi at what's the url just udi.com the udi.com if it's australia uh, you'll get redirected to subdomains if you're in the u.s amazing and then if you have a puppy pupnaps.com or what's the pupnaps.com that's the one let's go kids let's go dave you're the best we got to get you out to austin we'll do we'll do another podcast in person it'll be a good time that'd be awesome it's not it's not too bad yeah next time you come stateside we'll just bring you back over and then you can just hit the east sounds good it'll be great sounds good davey thanks so much again for your time dave fogarty everyone Appreciate you. If you want to get more involved in Tripwell, we are at Tripwell on the Bird app, tripwell.com for the website to sign up for a demo or just start printing money today. And then what else we got? Oh, well, mail newsletter goes out every Tuesday, Thursday. Be sure to subscribe there. Davey, appreciate you, my man. Awesome, awesome answers. I have some work to do. I'm going to go get my two-a-days on with my Alex Hermosi uh, streaming in the background. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, that's another You're Not Your Row Eyes in the Books, folks. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you on the flip. Bye.